Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. And in this video, we're going to really process through the question, is God enough for you? Every now and then, I'm going to start doing Bible studies like this because I really uh, am beginning to, I won't say re-falling back in love, but really getting back into God's word and to really uh, um, allow that time with him to overflow um, into and, and to what I do a little bit more. And I love teaching God's word. And so I was excited when God kind of deposited this this thought or discussion with you all. So I'm excited um, to get into it. But as everyone is getting in here, get your Bibles, get your uh, pens and pads, and and let's get into God's Word, starting in Proverbs. And we're going to be really breaking down what it means and really being honest with ourselves and really examining, is God really enough? Let me go ahead and get my scripture. We're going to be in Proverbs 37 through 9. So as everyone is coming in, like, share, comment, all that good stuff. And, and and let's get into God's word and really begin to process whether or not we really believe that God is enough for me. The scripture that I was that I fell upon today was Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. Uh, the word of God says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Verse 8, remove far from me falsehood and lying. First thing we see here is, is the plea of the writer saying, hey, man, don't let these things leave my mind. Don't allow these things to leave my heart. Don't allow this. And that should be our heart cry. Because uh, when we know ourselves and we know our flesh, we sometimes got to not demand from God, but really plead to God. Like, God, please keep me on the right path. Keep, Please keep me cognizant of what it is that's trying, that's not God sent. Something that's trying to get me off the path. So the author is saying, two things I ask of you. Isn't it interesting that many of our prayers are not like this? Our prayers have to ask, God, I need your help. God, do not deny these principles from me. God, do not deny these ideals from me. God, do not deny my understanding of this. He says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. He says, until I die, let me be reminded. Number eight says, remove far from me falsehood and lying. I always say the worst person to lie to is yourself. You got to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to remove far from you the idea of, 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 of being false with ourselves and lying to ourselves. We got to say, God, remove far from me this lying spirit, this lying ideology, and not being honest with myself. He says, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Not only falsehood as far as a mentality, but remove from me the, 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 the threat or the desire to lie. And how many of us? We lie online. We, we, we lie about who we are. We're, we're not really honest with ourselves. We're, we're not really truthful with ourselves. And the beginning, or not the beginning, but the, 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 the invigorating process of sanctification it intensifies when we're honest from the inside, when we're real with ourselves. Because I tell people all the time, cameras lie, but mirrors don't. Cameras lie, pictures lie, but mirrors don't. The number one place of honesty is in our bathroom mirror. When we look that person in the mirror, we really know who we really are. So the office says, remove far from me falsehood and lying and give me, here we go, give me neither poverty nor riches. Wow. Give me neither poverty nor riches. So nobody wants poverty, but a lot of us want riches. But this author is saying, give me neither. 
It says, feed me with the food that is needful for me. I love that. I was trying to really uh, digesting uh, um, the idea of Jesus being the bread of life and, and that uh, I, that he will give us our daily bread. And and that really, this verse right here is, is one of those verses that kind of keeps me stabilized. It, it keeps me with my eyes towards God because, because this world is so distracting. This world is so uh, uh, easily uh, uh, engineered for us to be distracted, right? And so he says, man, feed me with the food that is needful for me, not the food I want, the food I need. I, you know, I'm having a baby pretty soon and I'm watching a lot of videos and I saw one video of, of, of parents trying to uh, um, trick their baby into eating was something healthy. And so the dad brought, uh, um, the dad had brought a, a chicken, a barbecue chicken or a pork chop or something in front of the baby's face. And the baby's eyes got big. The baby's eyes were like, oh, I'm about to bite into this, whatever this is, lamb chops, play along where kids come. Now they bump lamb chop. They, she was about to bite into that lamb chop. But while her eyes got big, they moved the lamb chop out the way and gave her the carrots. Right. And so but most of us, we want the steak. We want the lamb chops, but we don't want what's needful for us. We don't really want what God really needs for us, not need for us, but knows that we need to have. It says feed me with the food that is needed for me. So when a person understands that Jesus is the bread of life. That means like the woman at the well, when she uh, uh, was having that conversation with God, um, she began to realize that she'll be drinking from this well over and over again. And, and, and even after she drinks from that well, she'll remain thirsty. But just like if you drink a meal, you'll never thirst again. If you eat from me, you'll never be hungry again. He said those that are hungry and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Right. It also gives me the, uh, the idea of the scripture that talks about um, that when the disciples came back after him, he's talking to the woman at the well, uh, they was trying to give him something to eat. They was like, yeah, he must be hungry. And, and, and Jesus said, you, I have food, you know, not of for my food, my nutrients, my, my go after is to fulfill the one to feel, to fulfill the will of the one who sent me. So that's what we got to begin to process. Are we really okay with what God serves on our plate? Many of us, God has uh, 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 has developed and cooked in a magnificent meal uh, for our feel, but because we're not feeling the food that's meant for our feel, we, we remove it from us and desiring the devil's delicacies, right? The world's going to always offer you uh, ge genetically modified foods. They're not going to be organic. God's food is organic. And I tell people, it's crazy how we are so addicted to uh, 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 for 1% or 5% of our digestive process, that our tongue is, is th that we, we only eat for taste and don't, uh, don't think about the waste. Like we don't think about the rest of our system. And so we have to be mindful of what it is that we need. And, and the Bible talks about no soldier that's uh, entangled in, uh, no soldier engaged in warfare entangles his or herself uh, with the affairs of this of civilian affairs for their joys to please want to listen to them. So we have to be eternity minded. We have to understand that God is God's sufficiency and God's enoughness is to get us through the roughness of this life so that we can be a beacon of light to everybody else who's having a tough life. But it says, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who was the Lord? What if God says, this is the cap for you financially? This is the cap for you relationally. This is the cap for you emotionally. This is the cap. 
Because God knows that if I don't put no uh, sanctification cap, like the NBA has a salary cap, if I don't put no sanctification cap over you, then you're going to tap out. Then you're going to remove yourself. You're not going to be immersed in the will of God. He says, man, listen, he says, lest I be fully deny you. I don't want God. If God knows that a million dollars is going to make me turn away from it, I don't want it. I don't want anything that's going to turn me away from my everything. Who is God? It says, and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and prefer the name of God. That's powerful. That first part is, you know, it's hard to deal with, but we should rejoice about that second part where it says, that I don't have to worry about being so poor where I got to steal. For I, I, am, I am encouraged by the word of God that says, uh, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging bread. See, we do a lot of deep dive studies in the cute, cuddly scriptures that we uh, set apart in compartments away from its true context and then wonder why we can't have what's next because we don't know everything in its context. Because when you understand how the word interprets the word and how it flows together, then when you're going through tough times, you can still be encouraged. When you go through good times, you can still be encouraged because, you know, the word is balanced. So let's get right into some of the points I want to talk about today in, in, uh, in regards to is God enough for you? Okay, let's get some definition and some points. Uh, the definition of enough is adequate for the want or need, sufficient for the purpose or to satisfy desire. Enough by definition is adequate for the want or need, sufficient for the purpose or to satisfy desire. That's important for us to know. That, that God is enough. We want stuff while ignoring the enough. When you go and get stuff not tapped into the enough, you're only going to go through even more rough or tough, right? The world has got us so programmed to go after stuff that we don't even know what's really adequate for us. We don't even really know what we truly want or need. And we've grown up with wanting so much that we're so familiar with this earthbound life that we're not eternally minded enough to have the perspectives needed enough to be able to operate from our enoughness, right? When you're going after stuff and not, and not, and not living from enough, then you won't manage the stuff. What is that stuff that you want in your life right now? What is the stuff? Think about it. Take some time to think about it. I want to say something about the stuff that you want, the, the spouse, uh, um, the 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 money, the uh, the the uh, all the different things. What is all the stuff that you want in life? And I want you to really process uh, what is what is the only way, or what is the only way that we're able to manage the stuff. Let me tell you something. This, uh, marriage is not stuff. What I mean by that, but it's a stuff play on words. There's no way on God's green earth I can manage my role as a husband without Him being enough. So if me as a man, the head of my house, do not understand that God's enough for me, then I, then I will make my wife too enough for me. That she'll be more than me. She'll be more to me than she needs to. See, the self-sufficiency of God is what's so paramount in our understanding of our lives. Because God is so self-sufficient, he doesn't need us. Therefore, he wants us. When we begin to be self-sufficient in the sufficiency of Christ, meaning when we understand our, who we are, that we're fearfully, wonderfully made, that we're good enough because God did enough and not good enough as far as and, and, and like we're better than anyone, but that we're able to do what we're in uh, uh, once unable to do because God did got things done, then I can be self-sufficient. 
I don't need to someone else to complete me. I don't need my wife to complete me. I don't need my child to complete me when, when, when she's born. I don't have to worry about that because God's enough. That I don't have to worry about, next point, push, pushing my ministry to the brink of success because God's enough. When God's enough, you chill. When God's enough, you heal. You see what I'm saying? When God's enough, you know how to deal when God's enough. That's the mentality we have to have. Because if God is not enough, you're going to keep chasing stuff, right? So enough is adequate for the one. God is adequate for what we want because truly we really want him. We're just looking, everyone on the God's green earth is looking for God. Uh, 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 they're looking for God in all their own places, but that's what they're looking for, right? Adequate for the want or need, sufficient for the purpose, that God is enough in his essence, in his, uh, um, in who he is to be enough for you in your singleness, that God is enough for you in your singleness. God's enough for you in your marriage. God's enough for you in your business. God's enough. But when we don't tap into that enoughness, we won't manage the stuff and everything else. Now, next point I want to cover says, what if, what if God doesn't give you what you've been asking for? Would you still follow him? That's the question we have to ask, answer. What if God, like, like listen, what liberated me in my life was being okay with never being married, with being okay with never having children. Not, I'm not sitting there saying to contradict what you desire from him, but what you have to have a mindset that says, God is so enough that if I get nothing else from him, he has done enough. That's the mentality that we have to get to as believers. That what if, because many of us are so consumed with what we want from him versus what he did for us. And when we realize that he's done enough, then you will get out of this. He owed me mentality or I'll, I'll show him. So because he owes me like, like we do this back and forth that I'm only doing what's right so that I can get something from him quickly. And we don't really want him. So you got to get to a place of contentment. I might do another video on contentment, but we got to get to a place of joy and contentment where we're not even focused on the spouse or the kid. I had to get there. Now, of course, you may be looking at me and be like, but coach, you got the wife and you got a kid on the way. But but there was a day. There was a day when there was no wife in sight, no child in sight, even with my wife and I being married with no child yet. There was places where I had to begin to realize, do you believe, Josh, that God is enough? Do you believe that he's enough for this situation? Do you believe he's enough, that he's capable, that he's adequate in his attribute, that he is the only one enough enough for whatever it is that we want, right? If you don't get to that mentality, then you're going to be discouraged on this journey. Let's keep going. It says, what if God doesn't give you what you've been asking for? Would you still follow him? The Bible says, if you desire to follow me, Jesus speaking, you have to first deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. He says, before you even follow me, you got to deny yourself and all your desires. The Bible says, they that delight themselves in the Lord, he will give them the desires of their heart. So th that doesn't mean that if I quote unquote fake delight, that he'll give me my conflicting, contradictory of his scripture desires. The Bible says, when you pray, pray, we pray wrong because we pray to consume with our own lust. You got to look, we got to look at our hearts and be like, okay, why do I want the stuff? Am I even enough for the stuff? Am I even tapped in the enoughness of God to be enough enough for the stuff that I want? We got to think about that. 
Because the reason why many of us don't have what we have is because we really haven't tapped in about God being enough and have finding that joy. Because one thing about enough, even if you get the stuff, there's still going to be some rough and tough parts with the stuff. And if God's not enough, you're not. Listen, don't you think, don't, don't you. Some of y'all seen the video of me and my wife getting married, my vows to her. Beautiful day. It was a great moment and, and one of the best days of my life. And and in marriage, we was just transitioning from uh, uh, we want to to I do. And then we passed I do. And then three, four years in our marriage, there's been a lot of stuff that we, a lot of tough moments of our lives. And if God wasn't enough in the stuff, I would have, all, we, we would have mismanaged the stuff. So even when you do get the stuff, you still got to trust that God's enough because every stuff, any, no matter what the stuff is that we want, there's going to be some tough moments. And if you're not tapped into the enough, you won't get through the tough. So a lot of people think that the stuff that they want is going to be blissful and great all the way through. But there's some enoughness inside of you that you got to have. That you got to tap into not your skills, but the wills of the Holy Spirit, the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Like, like you're not going to be able to manage a marriage. You're not going to be able to manage any areas of life without the abundance of life that God gives through his spirit, which is the, the, the fruit of the spirit, the love, joy, peace. Those things are essential for you to navigate and tap into your potential. What if God doesn't give you what you've been asking for? Would you still follow him? It's a question. Next point. Our heart should be to follow through not follow for. So why are you following God, man? Why are you following Jesus, man? Why are you even on this Christian journey? And a lot of people have been hoodwinked and tapped into this road of, of, of this receiving with, with joy, but not having enough root in them. Because, because if you don't have no root in you, how can you have fruit in you? And so a lot of people, the Bible talks about Mark chapter four, that people receive the word of God with joy, but they had enough, they didn't have enough root in it. There were stones there. And so the roots was trying to get deep, but because they still had the, these things in their heart, and when persecution and tough moments, when it comes to following God came, they fled. Some people are just following for, but not following through. Eternity-minded people follow through. Let's keep going. There's a mindset that we have to have. Do I have enough versus I have enough? That's the mindset that we have to have. We have to have. Let me let me sure tap into the chat, man. Thank y'all so much for joining me in the chat. For those listening on the podcast, thank y'all so much. Uh, I'm excited, man. I, I love uh, uh, when God gets me into this river of 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 place where I'm able to release from my studies, man. And I'm going to be doing, Lord willing, more of this, just these random Bible studies, man. Um, just things that I got from God. And so we got Sabrina in the house. She says, good evening, coach. We got stretch marks. Bar. Hey, coach, ready for this word? I'm glad. Uh, uh, Marino got some questions. We'll need some questions a little bit later. Uh, uh, Yahara, what's going on, sis? Hey, coach, I hope you're well. Let me know if you need me. Um, uh, 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 stretch marks. Bar. I said, yes, we've got to be honest with ourselves. This is highly important. So important. Honesty allows transformation. That's right. Um, uh, let's keep going. We got little people pop, popping in with questions, but uh, we'll get to those questions a little bit later. Uh, and Chantel says, Hey, coach. Instead, says, Wow, amen. Uh, Jazz says, Yo, coach, what's up, family? Kira says, Hi, let's get back into it. Now, there's a mentality we got to have, uh, in regards to God being enough. Number one, we have to uh, come from a place of I have enough, not questioning, Do I have enough? No, we have enough. Listen, I don't care if I have a dollar in my pocket, I have more than enough. See, when you get so caught up in finances that it you, you'll get to a place where you forget about God's favor. 
that he said he'll surround you with favor like a shield. What do shields do? They protect you. Shields protect, he surrounds with favor like a shield. That no matter where I navigate, whether I navigate not having enough or whatever, financial, whatever, I still got favor. That I'm still protected. No matter what the, uh, the, the this people say or that person say or that collector and whoever, no matter what in our lives, when we are when we got the favor of God, He'll get us out of situations that we don't have enough money to pay for. So we have to get to a place where no matter where we are, I have enough. I don't care what your money looks like. I don't care what your purse looks like. I don't care what your wallet looks like. I don't care what your singleness looks like. You have enough. We have to stop looking at and stop asking, "Do I have enough?" and begin to add and begin to declare that we have enough. If I got God on my side, God plus me, me and God versus a billion people, I'm winning. A thousand may fall on my left, 10,000 in my right hand, but it won't come near me. You have to unlock those areas in your mind and begin to grasp the reality that God is enough for your protection. God is enough for your for your finances. God is enough um, for, for all these different things, but you have to tap, tap into the process of that enough. You got to begin to be willing to be the person needed to steward the enough while at the same time tapped into God being enough. So you just can't just be like, oh, I got enough, but you poor with your financial management. We're just talking about there are certain tough spots in life that we can stand and see the salvation Lord knowing that God's enough. That if you don't understand that God's enough for your singleness, you won't maximize your singleness. If you don't know that God's enough for your marriage, you won't be able to be used by God to redeem the marriage or to be um, the right, a suitable fit for the marriage, right? So all of these things are needed mentally for us to really process, hey, man, God isn't, I have enough. Right now, I have more than enough. So that helps you sleep at night. Man, I sleep at night. I don't care what comes my way. I don't care what need I have. I have enough. So the mentality has to go from, do I have enough to I have enough. So that means you sleep good at night. Because you know that God is enough. Next, what if some of the rewards, hear me closely. What if some of the rewards you want, you won't receive until you get to heaven? What if you don't get paid into the back end? <laughs> That's what I had to realize right here. That I cannot be living life wondering if or when I'm going to get this or that. This doesn't mean that you're not going to have in this life houses, lands, and stuff. We're not talking about that. We're just saying mentality. Mentality. What if some of the rewards you want, you won't receive until you get to heaven? Something I think about. What if, because we have to understand the mentality of this life. This life is not about making this place our home. We're just being resources to bring people home. Okay. This is not our home. So if you are stockpiling stuff here, how many people, the Bible says, um, be very careful how you build the foundation, the foundation being Christ, because some will build with hay and straw and some will build with precious stones. But the word of God says, everybody's work will be tried by fire. The Bible says, if that one person's work is burnt up by fire, even though their soul is saved, meaning that they're still going to go to heaven. But imagine you get to heaven. I'm not saying it's how it's going to be, but just walk with me. Imagine when you get, if you get... <laughs> I'm that hellfire brimstone. I put the word if in there, if you get to heaven. But when you get to heaven, let me, let me, <laughs> if or when you get to heaven, when or if you get to heaven, you get there. 
and you did all this stuff down here. You got houses down here. You got cars down here. You got success down here. But you sign, you log in. First thing you get to your, you get to your uh, uh, place of a uh, residence in heaven. And you know when you when you in an Airbnb or somewhere, they got like a little paper that has like the uh, Wi-Fi password. It <laughs> has like the stuff that you can do and who to call and whatnot. And you know when you get to your mansion in heaven, there may be someone in the refrigerator that says, "Okay, here's the heavenly uh, Wi-Fi password. Um, God is enough." It's the password and and whatnot. You type the, you got the internet access, and then you you get up there and it says, "Here's your sign-in code to your online heavenly bank account," and you tap you type in your sign-in information, and you'd be like, "I have nothing up here." You're saved. Great. You made it to heaven. But everything I did down there, I didn't lay up no treasure up here. What if? What if all the rewards? What if not all? What if what if some of the things you're not gonna receive here? See, my mentality is I care about later more than I do now. I can delay today's gratification for tomorrow's success. Like I'm getting better in some areas, but overall, I'm okay with that, right? And I realized that I'm talking about in ministry and effort and business and stuff like that. I have to realize as a man that 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 what if, you know, I'm richer up there than down here, which I am. I really believe that. But I rather be richer. Don't mean I don't want to be wealthy and generous. The Bible says a wise man leaves him. So God is not saying him not to be wealthy, but the wealth was meant to set up the future generation to carry on the gospel and to carry on the family name and to be a big in life for God's glory. That's what wealth is for. Right. So, yes, I'm going to be wealthy down here, but I want to be more wealthy up there. Because there ain't there, you know, when we go travel to certain countries, there's no little, you know, exchange, money exchange place. You know what I'm saying? You can go to heaven and bring all your money up here. So, how can I exchange it to the heavenly currency? You ain't bringing it up there. So, the goal in life is say, okay, there may be some things in this life that I may not get into the afterlife. And that's okay. That keeps you from looking at rewards and keep you focused on relationships. Because if you keep looking at the rewards, you will never be able to enjoy the relationship. Relationships is more about people than what you can get from the person. See, my relationship with my wife is not, it shouldn't be about what I should get from her or what can I get from her. It should be who I got or who she is. That was makes the relationship better. Getting to know her while she's carrying a baby, like getting that—that's the joy. Not what can she cook this and can she do that. That's I don't think about rewards. I don't think about the return. I just keep investing. I trust that the return will come when it comes. But most returns don't come. See, when you when you get so caught up on returns, then you'll focus so much on the return. Then you are the turning, the turning and becoming better. Like, like my goal is not, I came into my marriage with no expectation. Where my phone at? Because I got a quote that I want to share with you. I didn't come in this thing with expectations because no expectations leads to disappointments. When you have unrealistic expectations, you set yourself up to be disappointed. So if I keep having, imagine I came back from my Nigerian lineage and be like, you got to eat, you got to cook me meals. You got to, what if I came, what if I came with that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, expectation? And then when she isn't able to do that, then I get disappointed and then disappointment leads to resentment. So I come with no expectations because if I come with expectations that I'm looking to be served and that looking to be served distracting me from being, from being a service. Huh? There's a quote. The reason I even got here was from this quote, quote by Tim Keller, and I thought I had it on here, but I but I don't. Uh, it says this. Let me let me find it. It says, uh, "Where's my uh, photos? A screenshot. Of it. Give me one second. Uh, this is what got. This is what sparked me on this. 
when I read this earlier, uh, he said, uh, where is it at? Here it is. It says, until you follow God, hear me, until you follow God expecting no personal benefit, you're not really following God. This was six years ago. Let me see if I can see it. My phone jacked up. That was six years ago. Until you follow God expecting no personal benefit, you're not really following God. You're following for a moment. You're following to a certain distance. But when you looking, when you're always looking for a personal benefit from something, you can't benefit something. And so when we keep, when we focus too much on rewards, we'll be distracted from relationship. Now, here's another point you have to understand. When God comes back, hear me, when God comes back, most people, if not all people, will not get to have or do what they've, what they've hoped to, to have or do. Please understand that. If God comes back tomorrow, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to father my biological child. So I have to be, I have to be ready for because then, because then what if I don't want to get raptured? There I go. I don't want to get raptured and be disappointed. We shouldn't be no, there should Jesus should be the joy of our life to such a degree. That no matter what we have or don't have down here, we're not going to be disappointed when we rapture. How many people right now, if God was coming back, they would be mad? Well, how many people, if God comes back, they would be glad? That's something you have to, I have to always assess my heart on that. If I never make a million dollars, if I never have all this money, if my stuff never takes off, is and Jesus comes back before I get to that place, what if I'm I'm, I'm right, I'm signing a contract? a book deal or something like that worth $2 million. And before the ink dries, I'm ratchet up. Will I be glad or would I be sad? My goal is to be glad because he's my joy. God's my joy. See what I'm saying? Because every, just about everybody, like I, there may be a, there may be a time, there, it may come to time where I'll never see my grandkid. So what I'm saying is that we have to have this mindset that if God comes back, no matter what we have or don't have, if I'm taken up out of here, I'm glad. Let's keep going. Now, is God enough for you? Why God isn't enough for some? I spelled the word isn't, I think. I-S-N-T. Yeah. Uh, number real quick, let me get through these points. I've been going on for 30 minutes. You know, these Bible studies, man, you, you can you can chew on this thing for a long time. Uh, the reason why God is enough for some is because, number one, poor interpretation of value. Poor interpretation of value. Some people, God is enough for them because they don't understand the value of God. Like they, 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 they see more value in the brands than who branded them. That that they care more about the brands than the brand that they are made an image of, right? So when you don't understand the value of God or the value of the it boils down. I remember someone asked me this question. It was like, um, uh, coach, uh, when it comes to ministering to youth, um, youth, how to have a better relationship with my child. And I told them, I said, Kids don't even know how to have a relationship. <laughs> so, so you have to show them what a good relationship is in, in order for them to understand the value of a relationship. And so many of us, we don't even, because we have so many broken homes, because we don't know what it means to be in relationship with someone healthy and properly, then we don't, when it comes to God, we don't really see his value. We see God's value based upon his ability. Versus who God is. Him by himself is more valuable. Like, if God, like, like, do you know that if God doesn't give you anything, he still gives you everything? 
Even if God doesn't give you anything, he still gives you everything. He Because he's everything. He's is in him that we live and move and have our being. So when you are properly able to interpret value, then you'll spend more time with him. Let me tell you something. It is imperative that we spend time with him. The value and the quality, we're not talking about quantity, but the value of the quality of time you spend with God is much more. And it's crazy. I tell my youth all the time on Sunday night Bible classes and stuff. I'd be like, man, we all got the notification today. I'd be like, on Sunday, we all got the notification today of how much screen time we've had. Our phones, our phone use, I don't know if Android people do this, but it pops up and says, you've been on the phone for these many hours per day. And when you scroll down, you can look at your usage of apps. And then, and I say, you mean to tell me we can spend six to seven hours on this thing right here and it only profits us this much. And we only spend time with God this much, but profits us so, so, so much that we can't even comprehend. Poor interpretation of value. If we truly value God, we'll spend more time. If we truly understand the value of God and the value that we can give from the value of God, we'll spend more quality time with God. But it's our poor interpretation of God. That's why we don't, that's why most people don't think God's good enough. Because now listen, you all of us have been in a relationship where you not all of us, but a lot of us have been in relationships where we was with people that didn't see that we was good enough. I tell I tell young people all the time, they come to my office, they'll cry, they'll come to my office and they'll 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 complain, not complain, but they'll just vent. And they'll be like, but why doesn't he like me? Why does he want Chelsea and don't want me? Why am I not? I said, fam, do you not know that most boys at this age can't really interpret the value of a woman? Like, they want sex from you, fam. Like, they, they want your body from you, fam. And if you don't offer this, like, I tell them, like, people will act like the value that you value. Only to try to devalue to get the value that they want from you, man. I'll get you'll get that sometimes next week. They'll they'll mimic the value you value just to devalue you to get the value that they want from you, man. They will act like a man of God to devalue your woman of God to get you to be a woman in the sheets. They'll, they this happens all the time. Women do it too. So hear me closely. So you have to understand that just because they look at you and can't interpret the value of you, that's their poor interpretation of value. But when you know that God's enough and that you're good enough because God's enough, then you don't have to deal with this unnecessary stuff from people that you'll begin to look at something like, I, I, I am valued because of the one who valued me. Because if a woman doesn't understand God's pursuit of her, and if a man doesn't understand God's pursuit of him, the pursuing process and courting process won't be valuable. So just because someone looks at a painting, and a, a, just because a painting has been overlooked a million times doesn't change its million-dollar price. So if, if if a man goes, if two people go to a, a what's that thing called? They'd be on the side of the street. If people go to a yard sale, if two people go to a yard sale, the first person goes to the yard sale, sees his magnificent painting, and is like, uh, I don't see no value in that. The person behind him is like, I know that. And that guy who looked at it and just put it back down, this guy says, how much you want for it? The guy says, this is some painting that my grandfather gave me, so I'll give it to you for $10. The guy takes the painting. He's not at fault. Or she's not at fault if they make $10 million off of something you sold for $10. That's not your problem. That is your problem. That's not his problem. 
because you can't interpret value, you can't get mad when people engage in its proper value and then get value from under the clear understanding of its value. So many people are looking at God, looking at time with God, or even looking at you. And they're like, man, that ain't even worth my time. But the right, it only takes the right one that says, I know that value. But we have been so devalued that we don't really know how to interpret value. Therefore, we don't see ourselves as valuable. Therefore, we'll never be able to be with the ones that see our value. But when you know you're valued by God, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made by him, that and, and, and your soul begins to know it very well, then, man, you'll begin to see the value of yourself. And then you will guard yourself and protect yourself. But the reason why God is not enough for us is because we have a poor interpretation of value. Do you not interpret value? Because if you did, if we did, we'll spend more time with him. If we really understood the value of prayer, we'll pray more. If we really understood the value of reading our word, we'll read more. Listen, I tell people, how valuable is food for you? Oh, man. Oh, we eat. We love to eat. <laughs> we love to drink. But how often has your spirit man ate or drunk? Drank, 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 drank. Yeah, drank. How, how often? So imagine how strong you would be if you fed your spirit man. Next one, why does it, why God is enough for some? Number two, because we're stuffed with so much desires for stuff. All this came 20 minutes before I did this. So I, if I make grammatical errors, please charge to my head and my heart. Because we're stuffed with so much desire for stuff, we've been stuffed. Satanically, strategically, we've been stuffed with the desire for stuff. That's what happened. We've been stuffed with this psychologically, emotionally, because we didn't have all the stuff that we need. Now we think we need more stuff. That's what happens. That's what happens. This system is designed to stuff us with the desires for stuff to the point that we don't even know that God's enough. We're stuffed with this because we don't understand our value from God. We're stuffed with it that I'm only valuable if I have her. I am only valuable if I have him. I'm only valuable if I have them as friends. I'm only valuable if I have those things. So now all of a sudden we have to surround ourselves with brands and create these billion dollar industries, but don't have no billion dollar industry in me. Do you have a billion dollar industry in you? But we build all these billion-dollar industries and people that we don't even know the gold that is in us. That I'm no good if I don't have no J's on. I'm no good if I don't have this these designers on. But you've been designed by the ultimate designer. You care about designers made by man when you were designed by God. So when we understand that, we'll be able to say, man, I'm not going to allow myself to be so stuffed with the desires for stuff that I don't see that God's enough. Man, the Pharisees, man, was jealous of John the Baptist and Jesus. <laughs> they didn't they didn't need anything. Jesus walked, because he's the boss, man. He's king of kings, Lord of Lord. He walked around. I don't need your education. I don't need y'all stuff. John the Baptist says, man, you and your soft clothing with your little skinny jeans and your V-neck shirts. You know what I'm saying? You know, tight pants. Look at y'all. Y'all have no power. People are traveling past your synagogues. People are walking by your mega churches. People are walking by your cathedrals to come holler at me in the wilderness. And you want to come and see about me and your little soft clothing, looking like some Sodom and Gomorrah uh, residences. You got to walk around like God's enough because you, if, if you need stuff, then that's, and that stuff becomes enough for you, then, then, then it's, it's, man, you're not going to be able to navigate certain things. You got to be detached from this world. 
You got to be unplugged from this world. You got to be uh, set apart from this world. Number three, deep knees in, or we just naive, deep knees. We have deep knees. And I tell people all the time, man, when you get connected with someone with a deep knees, don't, don't marry or be with or overly invest yourself with people with deep needs. Because if I try to be God to a kid or try to be a God to a person, or if I try to jump in that God hole and that person's heart, I'm trying to fill it, I'm going to be falling forever. I said this in a video yesterday. I'll be falling forever if I try to be God to somebody. Because only God can fill that God hole. And some of us won't even know that we have deep needs. The reason why God's not enough, because we, we're naive to our deep needs. We're naive to it. Naive. We don't even know that we that some of us got daddy issues. Some of us got mama issues. Some of us got trauma. Therefore, we're causing so much drama. Like, like we don't know how deep the need is. <laughs> and so what we do is we just think we think that we're okay, but we're not okay. No, you got to be honest with yourself and realize you are not okay. You gotta you gotta say, hey man, I'm not okay. And it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to admit it. Like, I'm not too proud to realize, hey, man, I got work I got to do. I, I deep, God, I, reveal the deep needs in me. Have I truly gotten over this? Have I, listen, I, I, I can you get, because if you're ignorant, the devil wants you to be ignorant of your deep need so that you'll never look for your deep source. You see what I'm saying? Then, then you won't know that you need a God. Then you, then your degree will, will be sufficient enough for your need or your success will be sufficient for your need or this relationship will be sufficient for your need. And then when you get into that thing and realize it's not ever, it's not going to be able to sustain you, then you keep getting disappointed. And disappointment then leads to resentment and resentment leads to unforgiveness and unforgiveness leads to hatred. So you, when, when the reason why people got in enough for some deep needs, man, or they're just naive. Last night, we don't take the time to get to know him for who he is. See, we have a false idea of God. We think that God's a money machine. We think that God's a vending machine. We think God is a works righteousness, uh, is caught up in the works righteousness system. That if I do, he 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 needs to. Like if I do, he has to. And God said, like, that's not even my character, fam. When you know that that there are some things that you're going to have to go through in life and that God is not going to remove it out of your life until it has fulfilled what he wants in your life, then 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 you're going to be really you're going to really be mad with this relationship with God. You ain't going to really like following God. You ain't going to really think God's enough for you. Let's keep going for time's sake. Oh, here we go. How to let God be enough real quickly. How to let God be enough and I'm out your way. And I may answer a couple of questions and get out the way. Um, first off, you got to realize or realize that nothing is enough for a heart with holes. You first have to realize that nothing is enough for a heart with hope. Like nothing is enough. A wife's not enough. A husband's not enough. A friend is not enough. Money's not enough. Um, sex is not enough. Love is not enough. None of that stuff is enough. None of those things are sufficient, adequate. Let's let's look at the definition. None of those money is not adequate enough. Relationships not adequate enough. Um, none of these things are sufficient for the purpose of none of these can, none of these things can satisfy your desire. None of none of those things. You have to realize that nothing is enough for a heart with holes. I have to realize the holes in my heart. That's what this bucket is for. From my book, uh, the purpose of singleness. From this book here and my other book, the whole journal. A am I whole enough, or do I have holes? I have to realize nothing is enough. And when you get to that place, you'll be like, "All right, God, real talk, I'm done. That's enough. That's another point I have." You're like, "Hey, man, I'm good." 
I'm good. I'm, I've realized because that's why I tell people, man, people are not transformed by information. They're transformed by revelation. We've all been informed about being overweight or being in over, We all been informed that fried food's not good for us. But when that fried chicken come out the grease, it is what it is. See what I'm saying? But people are transformed by revelation, personally revealed to. And some people wait till in the hospital for that revelation to transfer them. And some of us are, re, are transforming happy because we saw the revelation in somebody else's life. They were like, I don't want that outcome. So therefore, it's been revealed to me that I want to leave this alone, right? I haven't even touched the honey bun. I was on the I was at the beach trip all last week. Two, three boxes of honey buns were there. Did I touch one of them? No. Honey buns are enemy to me. High fructose is an enemy to me. Hydrogen oil is an enemy to me. If I, all I got to do is look at the, if I look at the ingredients, I see any, any type of ingredients like that, that there's a whole list of them. I'm like, man, I'm out of it, right? Because it's, it's not beneficial. It's not, it's not good for me. But I, you have to realize <clears throat> that nothing is enough for a heart with holes. You have to realize that it has to be revealed to you. So you'll stop chasing a relationship. You start fantasy, you stop fantasizing about him. You'll stop, 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 stop. Next point. God is the only one who can be enough. God is the only one who can be enough. My wife, no matter how amazing she is, she'll never be enough. And if I if I try to make her my source for enough, then it's going to even get more rough, even more tough. And she's going to feel the weight of that. God has to be my enough so that I can be enough for her and she can be enough for me. Now, don't get me wrong. Let me make that plain. There is certain enoughness that we give as individuals. There's because God's enough, I can be enough as a husband. Because God's enough, see that there's a source and resource dynamic that you have to understand. I am not my wife's source. My wife is not my source. God is our source. We are just resources. All right. I'm just a faucet. That's it. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know where the water comes from. I don't care where the water comes from. I just know the water's there. So what I'm saying is. I can't be the water plant. God's the water plant. She can't come to the faucet and be like, why are you not giving me water? Where's the water? I'm just a faucet. I'm just a resource. You got to holler at your source, man. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So, so when you understand that, you will stop making resources sources. Money's not a bad thing. It becomes a horrible thing when it becomes your source. A marriage, marriage is not bad, but it becomes a horrible thing a scary thing if it's your source. No matter what the resource is, if you make that thing your source, you're going to go hoarse, crying, complaining, screaming, because it ain't enough for you. God's the only one who's enough. So when you get that in your mindset, you'll be like, man, God's enough for me. Number two, you get to a place where enough is enough. You got to get to a place where enough is enough. This is it. I'm no longer making her my source. I'm no longer making him my source. I'm never no longer making my money my source. This is it. This is enough, enough, enough. God, I have seen in my own effort that this effort hasn't gotten me anywhere. And you are enough for me. Next point. You must understand that God is more than enough. That's more than enough. That God doesn't have this much to the enough brim. He's more than enough. He said, man, listen, man, you keep living. You'll begin to see there's more in me. You just didn't know. We can live a billion years and only know 1% of God. That's how great he is. So God said, I'm more than enough. You have to realize that I'm more than enough. You, I, because if God's just enough, that's not enough. I don't want a just enough God. Because a just enough God, that can make me nervous. You're just enough? 
That's it. You just enough for this. So what about this? What about it? What about five years from now? Are you just, I need a God that's more than enough. So that means I don't have to worry about parenting because the same God that was enough for my marriage is more than enough for my parenting. And I don't have to worry about the ministry. I don't got to worry about success. I don't got to worry about how these books going to pop off. I don't got to worry about a card game because the same God that was enough for me from the uh, the 9-9-2000s is enough for me right now. You must understand that God is more than enough. Plus, because God is more than enough, I'm good enough. Mm -mm. Because God is more than enough, I'm good enough. I am more than a conqueror. I am mighty through God to the point. Hold on, that's the scripture. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things according to my skill set, purpose, or whatever through Christ's strength. I'm, I'm good enough. What you mean you don't want me? So a woman can stand confident knowing because God has been more than enough to her. She's good enough. I'm ready for marriage. I'm ready for this next level. I don't got to give you my body out of you. I don't got to give you that. I'm, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm more than that. Because God's more than enough, I'm more than enough for that. A man should be able to come to a woman. A woman should be able to come to a man and be like, because, because their relationship with God is such a good process that they, I can I can get you that. I can get, I could definitely give you loyalty. Yeah, I could definitely give you faithfulness. Yeah, because God's been faithful to me. That's why I can. Only, that's the only way I could be faithful. That's the only way I could be faithful because God's been faithful to me. Only way I could be loyal because God's been loyal to me. Only way I could be this because God's been this to me. So because it was more than enough, I'm good enough to do what I got to do for this relationship. I'm good enough for it. So you won't settle for nothing stupid. You know what I mean? Because God is more than enough, I'm good enough. Next point: Trust that God knows when we've had enough. How to let God be enough? You have to trust that God knows when you've had enough. Meaning, there's gonna be certain seasons you have to sit there for a while. You gotta let you gotta cook. You gotta be you gotta cook, man. You gotta realize that only God knows when it's uh uh what do I say? Only God knows when you've had enough of that trial. His grace is sufficient. You gotta be able to say, God. You, you'll let me know when I have enough of this. I can't get mad at the season I'm in. I, no matter what season I find myself, I love it. Because if you love it, you can rise above it. Right? Instead of trying to shove it, try to rise above it. Allow that season to make you better. Now, God knows when you've had enough of this season. He knows when the fire is too. He says, I will not put no more on you than you are able to bear. Next, you got to realize that God has enough to go around. That keeps you from having a savior's complex. You don't have to worry about being enough for this friend. You don't have to worry about being enough for this man. You don't have to worry about being enough for this woman. You got to be able to say, hey, man, God's, God's got enough to go around. You got to go talk to God, fam. When you start feeling a relationship or friendship getting a little bit too much, you got to say, man, God's got enough to go around. So that so you don't have to worry about tapping into an enough that God wants. You want to be tapping in like the five unwise virgins spinning unnecessary oil. You see what I'm saying? You got to begin to say, okay, man, hey, that's enough. That's enough because God got God got enough to go around. That keeps you from having um, to be tapped into things and, and drowning. We got some words of drowning uh, in certain situations. Let's keep going. Only God knows if you are close enough. So you don't have to complain about are you there yet? You got to let God be enough. Only God knows if you're close enough. Just, just chill. You could be three months away from your from from your man, the man of your dreams, the woman of your life, 
You see what I'm saying? Only God knows if you're close enough. You got to trust the process is what I'm saying. Last night, you got to trust that only God knows if it's good enough for you. So that keeps you from wanting stuff because you'll be like, only God knows if it's good enough for me. Hope this message was a blessing to you. Hope y'all got some revelation, understanding that, that God is enough. And that no matter what stuff you find yourself in, even the stuff you desire, you still have to need the enough from God to, to or that thing will expire. Because desire without the enoughness of God will only make that thing expire. You want to keep the only way to keep a thing fresh and preserved is tapping into the enoughness of God. Let's see. We got some questions here. I got I'm trying to go for hours, uh, two more, three, four more minutes. So uh, uh, Marino says, what happens when I start to eat healthy and I start to see things get more intense, trying to focus on Jesus and why he should be over every area of my life? What helps to truly submit and commit? A lot of these points I already shared, fam, will help you do that. Um, realizing that he's only the only enough for you. Let's keep going. I'm trying to get some of these questions. Uh, Fun with Tasha says, hey, coach, what does it mean when someone take all day to text back? What would you do if this occurred to you? I don't care. I wouldn't care because I know my value. Also, there's two things you got to think about. You got to understand their lifestyle. If their lifestyle is busier, then you got to get more productive. Like, like, like productive production must equal production. Productiveness must equal productiveness. Meaning that if your life is not as productive as this person's life, you can't get mad at this person not texting back at a time frame of you because you got more time to think about why he hasn't texted you back. Now, if this is someone that you know they have time and they're not texting you back, then you have to realize how they see you. So if someone doesn't text you all day, then if they're working all day, you can't get mad at them. So you have to you have to ask yourself, what is my expectation from this? Am, am I wanting more from this person I need to? Because if you got time to wait, that means you're distracted from time of working. You should be so protected in your own life that you ain't even worried about if they text you back. Because you, when you know your value, you'd be like, hey, man, if you need me, holler at me. If you need me, if you want to talk to me, you'll talk to me. But sometimes our, we can push people away by being so desperate to pull them to us. And we'll be, people get pushed away by that kind of stuff. If you're always like, why you ain't texting back? And he's like, but we're just talking, right? So you have to process every angle and be able to say, okay, am I asking too much in this current stage? Or if we are at a stage and he's not texting me back and, and I'm not as problematic with it, then, then you move on back to life. But always be too productive to be concerned about somebody else's production towards you, if that makes sense. Uh, coach, what do you think about men bashing their ex public? That's, that's immaturity. My ex did this on his podcast, and I was shocked and hurt. I'm over it now, but would like your input. Don't worry about when people talk about you, man. But hurt people hurt people. And if people got to heal privately, don't try to heal publicly. That's why my goal is to always be transparent but not vulnerable. It is not your fault for whatever it is that I'm vulnerable about. I shouldn't bleed on y'all. I should I should bleed God. I have to let God deal with my bleeding wounds if I have them. So I don't I don't want to bring that to the public uh, sphere, uh, marketplace and sphere and bleed on you all from someone who hurt me whatever years ago, whatever day ago. So when men bash your bashing or being critical like that, that just shows you their heart. Just take mental notes and keep moving on about your life and realize and thank God for even revealing to me how how immature and petty this individual was, and you go about your life. Okay, real quick, I'm gonna just do rapid fire and I'm gonna get up out of here. Um, Stretch Mark says conditioning plays a large role too. I had a poor interpretation of my value for years based on my environment. That's true. I thought I needed more stuff in order to have value. Not true. That's right. That's right. 
a billion dollar industry in me. That's real. God gets the glory for that word. Love husband says he said that he came to give us life and life more abundant. That's right. Uh, love husband says, uh, yo, coach, how do you become sexually pure? Understanding the pureness of sex. Understanding how pure and how holy sex was meant to be. Right. When you understand sex in its proper context, then you won't allow anyone else to to you won't be a, a, so open to that activity. Right. And so when you understand the value of sex and the power of sex, then you then you would do what you need to do next, which means to say, OK, I have sex in its proper context. I see how sex was designed. I see how God made sex and why sex is safe in a marriage where both people are both submitted to God. Then I'll begin to say, okay, when I have the proper understanding of sex, then I will begin to look at the contaminations of sex that culture has done and begin to realize the uh, the consequences of the of the compromise. And when I understand the consequences, then I'm alarmed by the 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 counter the counterfeit pleasures, which are only but for a moment, but only but only create even less or even worse um, things in me. Then we begin to understand that in all is. Uh, uh, harmony and unity, then you'll begin to say, God, help me understand, renew my mind so I can better understand in time why this was meant for a particular time in marriage. And then in that process of sanctification with accountability and with stripping away from your life, if you got to go, listen, I tell men all the time, I tell people all the time, if you got, if your phone, if your iPhone is that bad, if your phone is that bad or your laptop is that bad, you may have to downgrade to a flip phone. You may have the only thing you can do on that phone is to play snake and make a phone call. If that if that's all, you, sometimes you got to revert all the way down. That doesn't mean that's the end all be all. But sometimes you got to do whatever you got to do. And says, the Bible says it's better to come in with one eye than, than the bus held open with both eyes. So it's better to come with one arm or one leg than the bus held open with both legs. So you have to cut certain things off. In order things to be removed, but it starts with renewed mind. You have to allow your mind to be renewed on the facts or to be renewed on the context of sex so that you will respect sex and honor the one that created sex. And then you will begin to see the beauty of sex in its proper context. Hope to help. Kira says, how does God end a depressive season? I honestly feel like I'm drowning. Um, um, be like Peter. Reach your hand up. You have to understand that, man, once you take your eyes off of God, the reason why you're drowning is because somewhere in your walk with God, you, you're you not really invested in, in the things of God like you should. Meaning that as soon as Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. We always begin to sink when we take our eyes off of God. For instance, anything left to itself will decay. If I leave my grass alone and don't cut it, and I don't, and I keep my, if I take my eyes off my grass, my grass is going to, is going to be six foot tall. If I take my eyes off of my wife, my wife is going to, is going to naturally not be who she, who she deserves to be from the attention of her husband. Anything you take your eyes off of us will decay. The ultimate place where our eyes should be on is Jesus. If my eyes is on Jesus, he will then show me when to put my eyes on my wife or when to put my eyes on the grass. Or, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. Because he, then he'll teach me how to be a tender. He'll teach me how to be a gardener. Right. And so we're drowning because our eyes are taken off. God. And so you got to get back and say, OK, God, you're my enough. You're depressed potentially because something there was once a place where you were more impressed in this than you were impressed in God. And when you're more impressed by something else other than God, depression is inevitable. So you got to get back to the fundamental, get back to the base, got to get back to just saying, God, I need you. 
crying out to him and say, God, I'm crying out to you. I need you. And he'll hear you because he's near to the brokenhearted. Uh, funny with Tasha, I'm watching this read over. Y'all taking notes good. I wanted to get a worksheet for this, but the rain, the word came so quickly that I had to create a slideshow. <clears throat> I wasn't able to give y'all a, a worksheet. Real quick, what do I do when prayers aren't answered? Seems like I woke up lost in the middle of nowhere. Well, you have to understand prayer in its proper context. That the Bible says we pray wrongly, we pray amiss. Praying amiss means we're just praying. And we, we're, un, we're uneducated, unknowledgeable, whatever we're praying for. And we are praying just to consume that answer prayer with our lust. Meaning that we're not trying to manage it with love. We're trying to consume with our lust. So if God does answer your prayer for your husband, you will only consume that husband with your lust. If God does answer your prayer about that job, you will only consume with lust. That's why the Bible says, he uh, make me not rich nor poor. So that I won't be so rich that I'd be like, why, who is the Lord and no poor that I still? So God is not answering prayer because he knows if I answer the prayer, you will not be there. You won't be there anymore or you won't be where he wants you to be. So don't look at where you are as nowhere. Look at where you are as the where you're supposed to be and honestly reflect on your heart and be able to say, you know what? The reason why I am where I am today mentally is because I have a poor understanding of what prayer is. And I've been praying for God to do things for me. We got to stop praying for things and start preparing for those things. We got to take preparation. We got to we gotta take uh, certain things out of our prayer time and then utilize it for preparing time, preparatorical time. Like, I'm preparing for this. Instead of praying for a husband, prepare for a husband. Instead of praying for a wife, prepare for a wife. Instead of praying for all these different things, Prepare for it. That doesn't mean there's not some times where you vent to God in prayer about it, but you got to couple with that prayer with prepare. We got to start doing more prepare than we do prayer. That doesn't mean you stop praying, but we're saying we got to take some of the things out of our prayer list and put them in the prepare list so that we won't find ourselves in the midst of, of, of feeling neglected or whatever by God. But God's like, fam, you're not enough for the stuff you want. You're not wife enough for the husband. You're not husband enough for the wife. You're not You're not enough. And when you are honest with yourself and realize I'm not enough for the stuff that I'm praying for, then that humility crumbles all that pride. And then you'll look on the inside and then say, God, I'm ready for the ride. However long, God, I'm riding with you because I'm not enough for the stuff that I'm praying for. And that's a real honest assessment you have to have. And, 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 and we have to be real. The last question I got to go. David uh, says, hey, coach, I'm seven. I saw this question the other day. <clears throat> Yesterday, I think. <clears throat> and I was like, man, I hate when I miss the youth, man. So I'm glad you're here, David. Give me one second. <clears throat> Excuse me. David says, hey, coach, I'm 17. I have a crush on a girl. And I don't know how to deal with it. Please help me. Can it affect more of God? Yes. Look at the words that we use. Look at the word crush. Let's go definition of crush. So we can really, because some people are visual learners. Definition of crush. Let me see. These words are not, not selected for any reason. They're, they're selected for a reason. Let me see if uh, screen share, share my screen, share screen. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> Crush by definition is to compress or squeeze forcefully so as to break, damage, or distort in shape. Sila. 
if you are compressed, squeezed forcibly, mentally, emotionally, to the point to where you're breaking or potentially, because let me tell you something, when you have a crush, you're going to end up crushed. Because let me tell you something about the weight of emotions. When you have strong emotions for something that hasn't been neutralized or uh, diluted, <clears throat> excuse me. If you haven't allowed your emotions to be diluted by and neutralized by the spirit of God, then those things are going to crush you. So you're 17 and at 17, you probably don't have a full understanding of love. Let me tell you something about being 17. You're not ready to be anyone's husband. And so now you're having childlike youthful passions and that youthful passion without zeal, without wisdom is causing your zeal to contradict and uh, 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 get in the way of you being healed. You got to you got to you got to allow yourself to heal so that you won't be mismanaging your zeal. And so that 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 rush of emotion is setting you up to be crushed by disappointment, to be crushed by if she never what if she never wants you? What if she doesn't like you? What if she and kids are mean? What if she comes in like you're just not my type? That rush of emotion became so high that you're now crushed by her rejection. Now you're crushed by her neglection, neglect. Now you're crushed by it. And it begins to get in the way of your walk with God because now your whole walking with God is asking a bunch of questions about if she's it or not. And you're 17, my friend. You're 17. You have nothing to offer this woman. Uh, you have nothing to offer. And yeah, you may be able to offer, you know, kid stuff. You know what I'm saying? But you, you, you got to focus on you. You got to allow those emotions to rush to God, not to rush to her. Because if you allow your emotions to rush to her, now you are now pending on her uh, depending or pending whether or not she's going to be with you or not. And that's too much. That's too much. So you, this is how you deal with the crush. Number one, you have to understand that crush will crush you. Number two, you got to be honest with yourself and realize that I'm not where I need to be. Then you got to take some time to better understand yourself and who you are in context of your life right now. Then you got to begin to uh, um, get into get into the scriptures of God and start spending more time with God so that you can see what you're supposed to do right now. And then you just got to make things happen for yourself. And that's spelled crush. Number one, you got to realize that crushes will crush you. Because if you have a crush, that means your emotions are at a place of, of hurricane-like winds that cause an unnecessary flooding of emotions towards her. And you may be too much for her. And then, then all of a sudden, you be too much for her. And they get mad when she only wants her too much. And then now you're hurt. Next, you got to begin to realize who you are to God, man. And realize, hey, man, I can't do nothing for her. I, I didn't offer. Then you can say, when I realize that my crushing will crush me and I realize I have nothing to offer, now you create more time to get to better understand God and yourself. Then you can better understand who you are. Then you better say, you know what? I got work to do. There was a time in my life where I realized I ain't no good to no woman. I don't got enough money for no wife. I don't got enough. And I say, you know what? Bump this hole trying to get married. Let me, let me see if I, let me see what I need to carry so I can get married. What I gotta carry within my repertoire? Well, I gotta care. What do, what do I have to have carried in my toolkit so that my wife can say I notice that I'm legitimate enough for this marriage? And then you gotta start getting to the scriptures of God. You gotta start studying the word of God and begin to develop as a man, and then go make things happen so that when you do meet the right one, 
you will have enough for her so that you won't crush her emotions, nor will her response to you whatever won't crush you. Because if you rush too much of her, you may crush her. And if you rush enough to her and then she don't respond the way you want her to respond, then you're crushed. And all that affects relationship with God because then you get mad at God. Well, God, I did. And God's like, man, fam, that was your own heart. That wasn't even me. And affects your walk with God tremendously. And so how do you deal with it, man? You just got to you just gotta be real with it. How to deal? You got to be real and realize I can't do nothing for this girl. I haven't even done enough for myself. I haven't even done enough for God to make, to even become enough for a relationship. Christine says, that's that's fire. Love saying, praying, all that good stuff. Love Husson says, I believe we need to invest into ourselves to be a value. That's right. Like, you got to invest so much in yourself, in your singleness. Invest so much in you, invest so much in God. That people, that those special people that God sends your way, they can get a return on that investment. Love you all. I got to go. Got books for you to check out. If you need a uh, coaching, you need help with this, you need coaching with your relationships, spiritual development, singleness, purpose, branding, all that stuff, book your coaching session now. I'm open all the way until August. After that, I may just have a select few people to come with me. I'll check out my latest book, Facts Over Feelings, a great book to help you process your feelings to get to find the facts so you can get back to feeling your purpose in life. I'm going to move. My bad. Got your question all up there. Uh, also, if you're looking for a book to help you hold things better or to prepare to hold things better, this book, The Holding Journal, will be a great resource for you. Also, a card game that I think will be a blessing to you as well. Also, if you're looking to find or better understand the purpose of your singleness, this book, The Purpose Singles, will be a great resource for you. If you're looking for a dating resource to make sure that you and this person are on the same page and to be able to ask the right question to either end the relationship or extend the, right, extend the right one, here's a great book there. If you're looking to better deserve what's in front of you to make sure you're receiving God's best and the devil's best, this book, Counterfeit a Counterpart, would be a great resource for you. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, like, man, I need to understand the purpose of freedom. I want to be untied and uprooted from these things. This book will be a blessing to you. If you're struggling with spiritual warfare and you want to better understand the whole armor of God, this book, World with me, be a great resource for you. We also have children's books that would better serve your child to help them better stay, understand their art and how they contribute art to the world and some wise sayings to get them up their, their way in life. We also have merch. And if you want to give us support, we do. You feel led to give. You can do so on my website, I am unplug.com. I love you all. Y'all be blessed. I pray that y'all got something out of this. And um, I love you all. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.